Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So Derek is on location right now in Philadelphia for the podcast movement. Uh, And actually, just today, well, we're recording this on Thursday night, so if you're listening on Twitch, you're hearing this live, but if you're listening to this on the podcast, Derek Derek just dropped uh, Derek Diamond Experience today from the uh, the podcast Move It, and I listened to it a little while ago. It's a great episode with a couple of other podcasters that uh, I'm going to have to go check out their shows now and uh, talk about that a little bit, what you've been doing up there. Yeah, an episode hot off the presses. That was uploaded, I think, 30 minutes after we recorded. I literally they, – they had this cool setup on the fourth floor of the hotel pavilion. They had two mic- or They had two tables, each with four microphones, completely decked out with, you know, the, the arm, uh, mic stands that attach to the table. Um, both had zoom H six recorders. So they literally had spots you could sign up to, to do your podcast at podcast movement. And I saw that I said, I've got to get one. So I got the last spot that was available of the entire convention. (laughs) That's awesome. So I, I lucked out on that. Um, you know, I, I'll I guess I'll kind of start from the beginning. I, I'll won't I'll try not to take too long, but the trip did not start that great because when I got into Philly, the weather was not great. So we were just kind of sitting there on the runway, and the captain comes on the PA and says that traffic from the airport has been backed up as far as the planes go because of the bad weather. I've heard we a lot just of be, people on podcasts that went to the podcast movement that got delayed um, leaving out of Philadelphia. And they were saying that it could have taken anywhere to an hour and a half to two hours before we actually got to the airport. Mm. So to make matters worse, <laughs> all the restrooms in said airplane decide to stop working. Oh. God, dude. (laughs) But because of that, that was actually the silver lining because we got priority to come to the airport first. And we were only on the plane for maybe half an hour. Oh, that's cool. So got back to or got to the hotel, checked in, just kind of, you know, went to bed early for the night because I was exhausted. And this podcast movements, basically, it's a combination of. Panels and seminars, um, keynote speakers that talk about various types of, you know, podcasting topics, whether it be sponsorship, uh, marketing. There was even one on how to make a good podcast intro. Uh, so there, there were there were several cool sessions that I, I took several pages of notes on. I know a, a lot of it. I will be talking with you off air about it awesome uh, but it, it's, it's been cool you know to to talk with other podcasters and plug you know my show this show uh, i actually i talked with a guy from nasa who does uh some type of podcast with nasa that i haven't checked out yet and i mentioned my two shows so as soon as i said nerd cave retro he instantly pulled out his phone and he subscribed to it wow which, and he even he even showed me which was really cool so and he said so what's your favorite zelda game and i'll tell you if it's not linked to the past then it's wrong <laughs> i was like well he's a man after my it, own heart right there yeah it's it's up there and he's he's only a few years older than me so he's right right between 
you know, are, are it, he seems like that perfect mix between like those who grew up with the NES and the yeah. Super Nintendo. So it, it's been just a lot of fun getting to, you know, meet new people and actually get to talk with people, you know, besides you who do podcasting and, you know, just kind of pick their brain on what they do, why they started their show. A lot of newer podcasters, one of the guys that I actually had on my show this week started his show back in April and he's only 10 episodes in. And I was thinking it would actually be kind of exciting to just start from scratch. <laughs> I don't know you if know, I can start from scratch again. <laughs> I mean, but knowing what I know now, I, I would do it completely different. Like if I were starting my show now, I would do it in a completely different way. Yeah. I <clears throat> I don't know. I think our show here, we, we did it pretty good from the show. The start. We did it right. Yeah, I mean, we had this show planned out well in advance before we even did the first episode. Like, like Pop Culture Palette has evolved over the years. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we've we had some really great shows uh, as far as um, the... Because I kind of consider Pop Culture Palette as two different shows. We have the interview shows, and then we have kind of the, the host episodes, where it's, you know, me and Stephanie and Wally or, or Steve when he comes back into town or, you know, when he can be on the show. But then we have the interview shows where we've interviewed all kinds of people from directors to actors to, you know, uh, comic book writers, comic book uh, uh, artists and illustrators and artists of all kinds that we've had on the show over, you know, 185 episodes that we've done. But I'm scared to go back and listen to some of those early episodes because I know they're rough. Like even back some of the nerd, the broke nerd cast that me and Wally did before we did Pop Culture Palette. Like I, I can't go back and listen to some of those. They're awful. <laughs> They're so bad. I feel that way about my show. I've gone back and listened to I think the first two or three episodes, and I sound awful. <laughs> I think everybody sounds awful their first couple of podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, one one cool story. I don't listen to this show really anymore because it's changed so much. But one of my favorite podcasts when I first started getting into podcasting was ESPN's fantasy football show. It was called the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. And there it was hosted by two different guys, but their producer would usually come on and, you know, chime in if one of the hosts said something that he just completely disagreed with. Well, the, the producer's name was Jay Soderberg. His nickname was Pod Vader. And I'm in line at the Reading Terminal Market a couple of days ago. And this guy who's standing next to me, I look at his badge and it says Jay Soderberg. I'm thinking, that name sounds really familiar. And then I look down and under it, it says Pod Vader. And I'm thinking, holy shit. <laughs> I, love, I love this guy's work, you know, back in the, the late 2000s. So I'm thinking... Well, I got to say something to him, but what do I say to him? So then I eventually just introduced myself and said, you know, I was a big fan of your show, you know, back in the day, I listened to it all the time. You know, me and a friend of mine, we would listen to that show because we were both, you know, still are big fantasy football uh, fans, but we would actually talk about that show in detail after we would listen to it. And all they would do is just give advice on, you know, who to start in your fantasy lineup, but they would have really funny banter too. Like they actually made the show legitimately entertaining and, you know, talk with them for a few minutes, got a picture with them and 
that was pretty much it. That's awesome. And uh, I I saw that uh, up there, one of the um, Scott Johnson, who was actually on this show a couple of months ago, actually won. Uh, he was got inducted into the podcast Hall of Fame. So and uh, mm-hmm. Jocelyn Moffat um, did the um, uh, inducted him and I guess did the acceptance speech. And she's on uh, the Daily Tech News show with Scott with uh, Tom Merritt, who has been on this show also. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to uh, see that he got recognized for all the good work that he does because he's an excellent podcaster. Yes, he is. But other than that, you know, I, I did get to do some sightseeing. Today was kind of my day to just walk around the city, went to the Liberty Bell, uh, Independence Hall, seeing that whole section of Philadelphia and just knowing the the history behind it, you know, when it comes to American history is really kind of surreal. And then something I was like, I wanted to do, but I didn't know if I would have the time, but I just kind of said, screw it. I went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which most everyone will know has the steps that Rocky Balboa Mm -hmm. ran up during the original Rocky movie. (laughs) So I get there and I see it and I'm just kind of taken aback by it because I I love those movies growing up. You know, I watched them with my grandma religiously. (laughs) So. I walk up the steps. I don't do the whole running up and doing the, you know, I didn't do the <laughs> rock. I probably should you, have, but you, you missed an opportunity. I, I, it gives me a reason to go back. <laughs> so I get up to the top of the steps and I hear this guy yelling, Rocky tees, Rocky tees. And I'm just kind of confused. I turn around and this guy is selling bootleg Rocky Balboa <laughs> t-shirts at the top of the steps. Please tell me. And you I'm thinking, one. I, I should have. I should have mm. wore it for the show, but yes. I was thinking to myself, I haven't seen anyone sell bootleg t-shirts <laughs> since I went to old WWF shows in the late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he probably makes a pretty good bit of money to, doing that, too. I would think so. And then at the top of the, the steps, they have this giant fountain. So I take a picture of it, and I see this guy like starting to walk towards the fountain out of the corner of my eye and he rolls up his pants and he gets in the fountain and just starts walking around like he's not (laughs) he's not I don't think he's looking for anything he's just walking around in a fountain (laughs) in in Philadelphia and then the, the thing that was disappointing was that they moved the Rocky statue down to the bottom of the steps Instead of the top, which there there was a long line of people wanting to have their photo taken, you know, at the at the statue. So I just snapped a couple and then uh, came back to the hotel. Um, did I did a lot of socializing, which is weird for me because even though I'm a podcaster, I don't really consider myself to be like I, I'm I'm pretty quiet and mild mannered by nature, but. Because I've had to constantly, you know, sell this show, sell my show, and be sociable, it's been exhausting. I'm sure. Like I'm, I am dead tired right now. But <laughs> I, I don't, I don't regret coming. It's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know if they've officially announced it, but I know in our little souvenir bag we got, there was a little pamphlet that said, "Podcast movement will be in Orlando next year," I'm which gonna make it will be will be nice for me because I won't have to, to fly. I can just drive. 
Yeah, but it takes longer to drive there from where you live than it does to fly to Philadelphia. That's the that's the screwed up part. <laughs> that is the screwed up part. But it does save me a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm and, definitely and, going next year, so we're gonna have to uh, double up in the room while we're there. We'll just have to do an in-person episode of Nerd Cave Retro. Yes, on location in Orlando. And my other thought was, as soon as I saw the dates, because it's going to be in the middle of August, I'm thinking, guys, it's going to be hot as shit. Why? Um, (laughs) Why It's going to be so hot. Oh, my God. And look, I apologize to the Twitch viewers and the YouTube viewers. My head is shiny because I just uh, shaved a little while ago, and I can't get the shine to go away. I've got coverings on the lights and everything, but still, because I'm like, I'm moist. (laughs) <laughs> it's so hot right now like i've got the air conditioner cranked but it's it's a balmy like 104 degrees outside right now and it's like eight o'clock at night it's so hot it's been hot here too like i've Ugh. had to wear shorts pretty much every day it's gross. you know i go outside and with it it's a different type of heat than it is where we live but it's been warmer than i thought and the thing that sucks is that today has been the only day with sunny weather it's been cloudy and rainy all week this weather's killing me (laughs) it's killing me yeah and i and kind of to piggyback off what you were saying i do apologize that i have this giant glare right here but there's a a lamp on the desk that is literally bolted (laughs) onto the desk i cannot move its placement and i can't move the angle of the light Oh, it's okay. Just one half of your so, face looks like you're bathed in nuclear fire. So, <laughs> uh, so you'll you'll have to endure that for two weeks for those who are watching the video version. Uh, but I just want to say that uh, Randy Bailey uh, is in the chat room right now, and um, I b- do believe that he is part of our Patreon. And yes, I am correct, Mr. Uh, Randy yes. Bailey. Hi, Mr. Randy Bailey. He's uh, he Hi. talks to us a lot on Facebook on the Nerd Cave Retro page. Also, Daniel Salmon, who's also a pat- uh, patron of the Pop Culture Palette, he's also contributing to our Patreon for this show as well. So thank you so much, you guys. Um, they both, between the two of them, they got us up to the $50 limit. And that was our first stretch goal, so now we have to do an extra episode every month. <laughs> uh. Well, I, I, I do want to say on a serious note, I was when when you told me that, I was completely blown away by it. So I, I can't thank you two enough oh, for doing that. That's absolutely amazing. So I just want to say, if you do like the show and you want to support us, please go over to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We have a $1, $3, and a $5 tier. Just uh, look at the one that you would like to contribute to. Each one, the the more you give, the more you get to do. Uh, you, uh, our patrons are going to be involved in um, uh, polls and different things like that. They get to pick what we talk about and the extra episode every month that we're going to be doing. Starting next month, we're going to do... Should we go ahead and tell them we're going to go ahead and do what we've been talking about for like a year now? We're going to go ahead... We've, <laughs> we, we've milked it long enough. We might we're going to go, go ahead, ahead and do, and do the uh, the Super Mario Brothers commentary track. And it is going to um, feature Mr. Wallace Phelps, who is my co-host on yes. the Pop Culture Palette. I had to go on eBay and and get some DVDs, order me and him some DVDs of the movie, 
because it's no longer on YouTube. That's how we were going to watch it. And then you can't get it on Amazon because it's an add-on thing. You have to order $25 worth of stuff in order to get a DVD of Super Mario Brothers, which is like the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Unless I want to spend $35 for a Blu-ray. And eh, not doing that. Nope. No, sir. No, thank you. As we say in the South, ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. No, sir. Ain't got time for looks that. Like I'm, looks like I'm gonna be going to Best Buy tomorrow when I get yes. back to see if I can find Mario Brothers. <laughs> but uh, I, I bought ours off of eBay, and if you get the same guy that I bought it from, it was like $3.86 with free shipping. And he had four left, and I got two of them. I still think that's a bit too much yeah, for that movie. But, uh... but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I will go ahead and say for the those who are watching the video version, I've got this giant cup of water from Starbucks. There will probably be something else in that cup when I'm watching that movie. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move into the news for this month. What do you say, Derek? Let's do it. On Polygon.com, Amazon begins taking pre-orders for Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions. Nintendo is getting ready to join its competitors, Microsoft and Sony, and offering a premium online service for its flagship console, the Nintendo Switch. Online will launch sometime in September. Nintendo has yet to be more specific about the date. But Amazon is already listing pre-orders for 3- and 12-month memberships as part of its Amazon Digital Services program. Amazon's pages don't provide any additional information about Nintendo Switch Online. The release date on the listing is set for December 31st, 2018, which Amazon often does when selling an item that doesn't have an announced launch date. Uh, a 12-month subscription costs $19.99, while a 3-month subscription goes for $7.99. Nintendo will also offer a 1-month subscription for $3.99 a month and a family membership for up to 8 people for $34.99 a year. Neither is list of those are listed on Amazon yet. So what do you think? Do um, you think we should go ahead and get our pre-orders in now? I, I, don't, I don't see why you would need to take pre-orders for Nintendo Switch Online. No, I, I see why they're doing it so they can go ahead and get money for it because people will pre-order it, but yeah. it, it's an online subscription service, so I see no real reason to go ahead and get it. Yeah. I, I was just going to get it you know, the day it comes out. I was just going to log on, sign up, pay, and then let the downloading commence. But I, I will say, we've talked about this before, but these different you know, monthly plans... I would see no reason to not do the 12 month because it's literally $20 for a full year. If you do three, I mean, if you want to just do like a a one month trial that I would get, but if you're going to do three months, I think you might as well go ahead and do 12. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, if you just do the three month, that's what is the three month again? Three ninety nine, seven ninety nine, or seven ninety nine. See seven. That's eight bucks. Eight times four is what thirty six. So yeah, I mean you're paying almost twice as much if you're doing it by three months. So yep, that's a no brainer. I mean twenty dollars a year. Come on, man, that is nothing. No, absolutely. I I am excited for this though. I I, I want to know a little more about it, but I'm gonna get it regardless. Yeah, because me too. I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's gonna be good. Yeah. 
So this next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Metal Gear movie director shares his ideas about a potential Legend of Zelda film. It was only last week we heard the director of the Metal Gear movie, which I didn't even know there was going to be one. Uh, Jordan Vogd Roberts, I'm sure I mispronounced his middle name. I thought we talked about this not too long ago, about a Metal Gear movie. I could have swore we talked about this. I am completely blanking the, on that. The news archives. But anyway, he talks about his crazy ideas for a potential Metroid film. Now, during an interview with IGN on his Comic-Con live show, he's revealed how he would approach a movie about The Legend of Zelda if given the opportunity. He said, I think you have to find a way to very intensely fuse the pure just sort of fantasy of the Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past. But then I think you need to find a way to incorporate the newer pseudo-tech stuff you know, the lasers and Tron lines that happen in the newer games, but in a way that's not overwhelming. Then he explained how quirky and bizarre The Legend of Zelda actually was in contrast to other fantasy series. The thing about Zelda is it's not Lord of the Rings. You cannot forget how quirky and bizarre Zelda is, which I agree with. I think you need to find a way to actually fuse the traditional Zelda and the very new Zelda. He also said he would ensure Link remained a silent protagonist and would not allow him to speak (laughs) for the entire film. Hmm. Which I, we've, we've talked about what we would do with a Zelda movie in the past. And I, the problem with giving Link a voice at this point, if they had done it, they could have even done it with Breath of the Wild. You still would have gotten some backlash to a point. But I think you're at the point now where no matter what you do, with when you give Link a voice, no matter how he sounds, there's going to be a decent sized contingency that does not like it. Well, if and you're, you're going to get backlash from it. If you're going to do the silent thing, you're going to have to need uh, you're going to need to get an a, a really good actor that's able to tell a story with just yeah. their face, you know, and their 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 acting ability because, you know, being an actor, acting is not just memorizing lines. Acting is being able to tell a story through facial expressions and your movements, you know, your movements add a lot to character like if you notice and you watch people people everybody has sort of you know body tics and things like that and different uh ways of speaking some people use their hands some people don't or a lot of people have a lot you know tell a lot with their face and you're gonna need to have an actor that's really good with being able to tell a story without speaking so that's not gonna be an easy thing to find Especially no. somebody, especially it's going to have to be an unknown actor because there's not going to be a lot of actors out there that are going to want to do an entire movie without speaking. Yeah. Now, what do you think of his quote about fusing the fantasy aspect of Ocarina of Time with the? Because a lot of the newer Zelda games, you know, Breath of the Wild and Skyward Sword, implemented a, a lot more tech into what was primarily known as a fantasy type franchise. I mean, would you do, would you base it off of a game or would you try to do some type of an original story? Honestly, I think I would try to do some kind of original story. Um, one that, you know, I like, I personally like all the, the pseudo tech stuff that's in the newer games, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want to muddy up Zelda, you want to tell if you're doing a movie, you want to tell a very straightforward um, adventure story, and that's what it needs to be. Uh, it you can move into that stuff later 
uh, if you nail the first movie and then you move into a second movie, then you can add in like the tech stuff, like him discovering that, hey, maybe this world is not, you know, maybe it like what you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe there's more to this world than, you know, uh, than what they're, they're seeing. So I'm down with that. I think if you're going to do a Legend of Zelda movie, I think you need to keep it simple, keep it in the fantasy realm, and then move into the pseudo tech stuff later on. I think that would be way more interesting to do it that way. I think if you go the movie route, it's got to be <laughs> some type of original story. You can include elements maybe from some of the other games, but if you were going to uh, straight up adapt a game, I still think that a series like on Netflix or Amazon would be oh, the yeah. way to go because that that's the only, you cannot tell Ocarina of time story in one movie. Yeah, you so definitely I, <laughs> can't tell breath of the wild story in no. one movie. Uh, and I laughed because Joey image in the chat room said, uh, the rock plays link. <laughs> I'm like, well, he does have the eyebrow. <laughs> I I could see him as Link or Ganondorf. <laughs> he give could Link play the Ganondorf. Elbow. I would buy that. Yeah, you just give Link the people's elbow. Uh, great. Randy says Nick Cage. I, I no, <laughs> no, not gonna happen. No, uh, that's a bad how about, idea. How about this? The Rock is Ganondorf. Matthew McConaughey is Link. All right, all there right, we go. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's let's make the movie. Uh, and on that note, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, let me pull it up here. Um, in July of 1993, Super Mario All Stars is released for the SNES, which featured upgraded 16-bit versions of our first four Super Mario games. Also, Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels makes its debut in the Western region. I love Super Mario All Stars so much. It's so if you have an, a Super Nintendo laying around, you have that's an, a must-have cart for it. And we also did a very good uh, co-review of this game, specifically called an All Star Christmas that we did back yes. in December. Yeah, I, I remember this game coming out and just fell in love with it instantly because you know i i did play the original mario games for the nes but i didn't grow up with them like you did so playing them with the updated graphics and kind of getting to relive that whole trilogy was was great and it's what it's one of my favorite super nintendo games of all time like you said if you have a super nintendo if you're a super nintendo fan You've got to add this to your collection because it has so much replayability oh, yeah. into it. I would still it's, love to see it's four a, games in one. I would still love to see another upgraded version of those games, like Super Mario All Stars uh, Switch version. You know, with like really updated graphics for for those games. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd play that in a heartbeat. I would buy it again and again and again. As many times they yep. want to release it, I'll buy it. It's like that Futurama meme, shut up and take my money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, July 21st, 1995, Konami releases Castlevania Dracula X for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which is a port of Castlevania Rondo of Blood. And I had never heard of either of these games until uh, I would, you know, added this into the Google Doc. I was actually thinking of playing this for Halloween Horror Month this year. 
So I think I'm going to add that into the rotation. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, it, were there any major differences between the two? I, honestly, I've never played Dracula X for the, the okay. Super Nintendo. That's that's why I wanted to play it for uh, October this year because I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to. I never got around to it, and I love the Castlevania games, so I am going to play it for Halloween Horror Month this year. We also got to incorporate the fact that you know the the new season of the Netflix show is coming yes, out around that time. Exactly, that's a bet the best time to drop that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, on July 31st of 1995, Sierra Online releases Phantasmagoria, a controversial point-and-click game. Do I remember Phantasmagoria? I remember the name, but I don't Yeah, think... same here. Because this was around the time that I, I was playing a lot of PC gaming, and uh, I loved the point-and-click adventures. So this might have been on my radar at the time, but I, I never played this. It says here it was noted for its graphic gore, violence, and sexual content. Right up my alley. <laughs> it's got that giant M for mature on the yes. on the cover art. I like the cover art too. It's got like a it's it's definitely nineties horror. Oh yes. It. it screams nineties. Oh yeah. I'll I'll have to I'll have to do more digging and see why exactly this game was so controversial. It had a sequel, too, that I think was just as controversial uh, when I was reading about it. And speaking of point-and-click adventures, I, I put on the uh, the Nerd Cave Twitter the other night that um, I had Day of the Tentacle on my wish list on Steam, and I got an email saying, uh, an item on my wish list is on sale. Went on there, and Day of the Tentacle was on sale for like $4.00 the other night and I nice. immediately went to Twitter. I was like, Day of the Tentacles on sale right now. Go get it. And I bought it. I played it for a couple of hours that night and um, haven't gotten to play it much since because I haven't had a whole lot of time, but I'm definitely going to do a review. That might be the one of the reviews I do for October, that and Dracula X. That'll be my two for Halloween Horror Month. Nice. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to start thinking about those because... I mean, we're almost in August already, I know. which is crazy. We're like two months away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in July of 1996, Sega releases Nights into Dreams for the Sega Saturn. This was a game that... So when I got into Sega briefly, and it was primarily because of Sonic, but this game did intrigue me. Um, I never owned a Sega Saturn. Nights into I'd, Dreams. It's. I, I'm I trying remember. to remember the story off the top of my head. I mean, I know it's right here, but I know it's about it's about two kids who enter a a dream world, and Knights started out as a villain, but becomes good, and tries to help these hmm. two kids. There was a a comic series that Archie did back when they were doing the Sonic comics, uh. and this was done, I think, as a six issue mini series. I want to say. I remember. So this. I was in. Hmm. I said, I remember this. Uh, I remember seeing the the art for this, the uh, the um the the cover art for this mm -hmm. back in the day. This looks cool. yeah. The comic, the comic arc was actually really cool, and it it made me more intrigued about the game. But I never played it. But it, it is one that's on my radar to to review at some point. Did you see this optional 3D controller that was packaged with Knights in the Dreams? Have you seen this thing? 
Mm -mm. It, it looks like a like, oh, like a I waffle maker. <laughs> you make waffles with that, or is it a controller? I remember this thing. That yeah, it does look like a waffle maker. Ugly. Would go I perfect God, with dude. my uh, with my Sonic toaster. I'm gonna get. I have a, a Death Star waffle maker in the in the kitchen right now that looks just like this thing. <laughs> That's crazy. God, there are some controllers that look great, but Ugh, this is not one of that them. That was a bad design choice. Holy crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, moving on to 1997, July 1st, Nintendo releases Star Fox 64. Didn't you do a review of this game? I did. One of my probably top five favorite games for the Nintendo 64, and to me is still the standard bearer for the Star Fox franchise. Mm. None of the other games to me, I like the first one, but it's so frustratingly hard at times. <laughs> the only knock that I have on Star Fox 64 is that it's so short, but there are so many different, you know, paths you can go through that it does have a decent amount of replayability. But it's yeah. it's perfect for what it is. It's a it's a space shooter, <laughs> and I. I enjoy it. I think it, I said, like I said I it's one of my go, five favorite games for the N64. I think at the time I said I was going to go find a copy of it and play it, and I haven't, I haven't been looking for too many games lately. I haven't had time. I need to crank up my uh, flea market going. Problem is, it's so damn hot. I don't want to go to the flea market. Yeah. Like the last time that me and Tina went uh, about a month ago, we went at like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, and it was so hot. We couldn't even stay. I think we stayed like 10 minutes and we were like, ugh, screw this. We're going home. Well, even on Sunday before I left to come to Philly, because my flight didn't leave till four o'clock in the afternoon, I woke up at seven and I was going to mow my lawn. Oh. I walked outside and said, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, I did mine the other, uh, see, what was it? Monday evening? I, I mowed the lawn. I thought I was going to die. Honestly, like I thought Tina was going to find me in the yard, just spread eagle dead from the heat. I hate it. You're just going to be a puddle of sweat. I, I had no, I had no sweat left. I was like a, I was like a raisin when I walked in the house. Oh, geez. Drank like four gallons of water and still didn't pee for like hours. <laughs> no, oh. that's too much information, but it's hot. Uh, no, that's, that's totally accurate. And to close out this month in video game history, and closing us out for the month of July, on July 3rd, 1999, gamer Billy Mitchell scores a perfect 3,333,360 points on the Pac-Man arcade game. And thinking Poor about Diddy. it, because of the story that has come out about him, I should have put a little asterisk yeah. next to that number. Just my own little subtle way of trolling. That's why I said, or did he? <laughs> <laughs> I think we might need to, to open up a case. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but before we go into... Oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, as far as he goes, like anything I read with the name Billy Mitchell is like I can't really trust anymore. Yeah, I, I always wanted to try his hot sauce, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you might feel like you got cheated out of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but before we go into the review for tonight, I do want to uh, bring up the Patreon one more time. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. 
sling us a buck a month and uh, help keep the lights on here. And we, uh, at the $50 level, if we can maintain the $50 level, we will do an extra episode every month, whether it is a movie review or a commentary track or pretty much anything that we kind of feel like talking about, whether it's an old TV show or, you know, uh, some old TV show pilot, or if we want to talk about like, I don't know, something retro, like the Dukes of Hazard or something, you know, well, or the Goonies, like you never know. We'll we'll put up polls on the Patreon, so you'll have the chance at the three and five dollar level to uh, participate in the polls and let us know what you want us to review as far as games, and let you let us know what you want us to do as far as the extra episode every month. So head over there at Patreon.com/slash/NerdCaveRetro, and thank you so much for helping out the show. Absolutely. So Derek is going to be talking about. was really good i like doing crusty the clown because it freaks people out <laughs> i didn't freak me out i'm just saying that's actually a really good impression of crusty thanks so this week i will be reviewing guy i haven't played this game I mean, i've been playing it leading up to this but i had not played this game since i had my original super nintendo when i was a kid this week, I will be reviewing Krusty's Super Fun House, uh, the Super Nintendo version. It's originally called Krusty's Fun House. It was um, originally released in 1992 for the Amiga, which is crazy to think about. NES, PC, Sega Master System, Sega Game Gear, Game Boy, Super NES, and the Sega Mega Drive, also known as the Genesis. And I, 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 Before we go any further, I don't know if people remember just how big of a pop culture thing the Simpsons was around this time. Like I used to play the Simpsons games all the time, like Bart versus the space mutants and uh, especially the arcade game. Like I cannot believe the arcade game never got a home port. That was, that was a travesty. If one arcade game gives Ninja Turtles a run for its money, oh, it's yeah. the Simpsons. It's so good. We should honestly do, eventually, we should do some type of co-review for The Simpsons arcade game. We should. I, th I think that would be great. Uh, but yeah, as Jason said, this game came out uh, in 1992, which was, you could call it the peak of The Simpsons popularity. You, oh, yeah. The Simpsons were everywhere around this time. They were you know, obviously on TV, but in commercials, video games. You know, and, and the cool thing about The Simpsons, I remember they would do like celebrity versions of, or they yeah they do celebrity versions of Simpsons characters. Like you'd have uh, one I remember because I, I went through, I was never a huge Simpsons fan, but I went through a phase where I watched The Simpsons religiously for a few months, and one of my favorite appearances by a celebrity on The Simpsons was Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, yeah. Who was, because uh, they were in his mansion, and then he shows up, and he's got the jacket with the tassels, he's got the sunglasses and everything. I was like, oh, shit, it's Brett Hart, <laughs> but he's yellow. Holy crap. Uh, 
So a lot of Simpsons games came out around that time, too. You know, we mentioned the Simpsons arcade game. Uh, Bart's Nightmare was another one. And then, of course, this one, because Krusty was one of my favorite characters. So I was kind of drawn to this game when I found it in stores and convinced my mother to buy it for me. (laughs) And I, I loved this game as a kid. And I was excited to go through and play it again. And then I real I remembered that this game had its flaws. Yeah. Now I will say it's still a fun game, and to tell everyone what the the gameplay and the plot is, basically rats have taken over Krusty's funhouse. So you have to play as Krusty and go through different areas, and you lead the rats to traps that are set up by different characters and the characters change depending on the area you go to there's five areas in the game so say every trap in area one is run by bart then in area two which the theme will change uh, i think area two had more of like a sci-fi type theme to it and homer was running the trap it was basically a laser like you lead the rat into it and then homer would pull a lever shoot a laser incinerate the rat repeat the process i've heard this game be compared to Lemmings, which I have never played before, but after watching video, I can definitely see it. I feel like, because I actually found out this game, there's a very similar game uh, called Rat Trap, and if you look that up, I should have thrown it in the Google Doc. The, The background and the gameplay looks identical to this game. So I feel like Acclaim might have wanted to capitalize on the Simpsons popularity and just change this to a Simpsons-themed game. Mousetrap? Not Mousetrap. That was a 1981 game. No, it was it was Rat Trap. Let me see if I can find it real I quick. Let me go to Wikipedia. Oh, and Joey Image yep. said uh, Bart Simpson versus the World too, which was also another good game. Uh, I mean, I say good. I haven't played them in a while, but I did play um, Bart versus the Space Mutants a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and man, I loved that game when I was a kid. It does not hold up as an adult. At all. That game is broken. A lot of people think most of the Simpsons games did not hold up. Just from what I've, I've been reading. I mean, the ex- exception seems to be the um, the arcade game. But as far as going back to, to this game, I like the puzzle-based aspect of it. But the problem is it's very repetitive but it's not repetitive in a good way. Like the, the areas get harder and the puzzles become more challenging, but they're, it's a very long game. There are five areas and each area has at least six little sub areas that you actually go in. And that's where you do the puzzle objectives where you try to, to kill the rats. And then you leave that sub area, go to another sub area, do the same thing. And then you can't go to like you can't go to area three until you fully complete area two. So it's a very, very long and and repetitive game and something that we have vented about numerous times. (laughs) No save. No save feature. (laughs) It's 1992 for the Super Nintendo and you don't have a save feature. We had the technology. 
So we bring back our good friend, Mr. Password System, which for for the NES version, I'd give it a pass. But even for the PC version, you still had to put in a password. And it only works like you when you complete an area, this screen comes up with Krusty holding a diploma and it has the password written on it. So you have to complete an area before you get a password to like say if you make it up to area three and you have to turn your Super Nintendo off. Well, you get the password, put it in and you pick up right where you left Was off. Is it one of those crappy passwords too that kind of mixes uppercase and lowercase letters? Actually, no. Really? It's, it's I, all very well. strange. And they're all, you know, Simpsons terms. Like I know the, the area one password was okay. Bartman. See, I can forgive like a game. So they're, they're, all, they're all easy to remember. Yeah, I can forgive a game if you have a, a good password system that's not overly complicated. Like there was a lot of games where you know, we didn't have smartphones to take pictures of the screen. You know, we had to actually write down these passwords. And sometimes you would do, a, well, is that, was that an O or a zero or a lowercase uh, uh, I or L? Like, or was that a one? You know, like you had to write the passwords down perfectly. And I love the, like Mega Man 2 had a great password system where it was just basically dots and a you know almost like a uh, like a tic-tac-toe board pattern and all you had to do was just memorize the pattern of the dots to get where you needed to go so you know the simpler the better but by the time you yep. get to the super nintendo era like every super nintendo game should have had a damn save feature at this point like it was it that much more expensive to make a save feature really the one I would give even less of an excuse to is the PC version. Oh, yeah. That's just stupid. That, that makes <laughs> absolutely zero sense. But it, uh, the gameplay, as far as its flaws go, so to fight uh, to fight enemies, so say there are snakes um, and other, like there are robots and other things that you have to fight depending on what area you're in. And this was actually really fitting, but your weapon is Krusty will throw pies. Mm -hmm. But the problem is whenever you throw them, they're thrown at kind of an arc. And unless you're unless you're like you can see the video version like this far from an enemy, you're going to miss. So it's kind of like throwing the rocks and Friday the 13th. Yes. Oh, why would you do that? (laughs) That's so bad. And then whenever you kill all the rats in one sub area, the you don't even get like a notification that you've killed all of them. You have to go all the way back to the beginning and then you go to the door that you entered and Krusty will automatically like turn to the screen and wave at you. Mm-hmm. And then you'll leave and then you go to the next area. Hmm. So I would it's tough to give this a number because I I Playing like playing it again, I still don't hate it, but as but because I'm older, I definitely recognize its flaws that it has. Yeah. It's a very flawed game. Well, you got to remember too. This is in the height of video games buying up these licenses and then just like probably more than likely taking another game that somebody was already working on and then just slapping uh, you know a Simpson skin 
over the characters and releasing it as, you know, ooh, this is a Simpsons game. You know, it wouldn't have to have anything to do. Like, LJN was horrible about this. You know, taking a game that didn't have anything to do with whatever movie they were uh, slapping on the box, they would just, you know, slap a skin in the game and say, oh, this is Back to the Future. Like, nothing in the game has anything to do with Back to the Future. So, but uh, it's just, this was a, a bad time. For I mean, licensed games are still pretty bad for the most part, but this was good. Licensed games were few and far between back in, the, in this era. Yeah, in this case, it ripped off Rat Trap. Yeah, which I which I didn't even know until you know when I decided I was going to review this and I was doing more research on it, and I saw a side by side screenshot and thinking, huh. <laughs> That looks awfully familiar. Uh, oh, I see so, the rat trap thing here, but there's no way to click on it. So I don't know if there's, uh, I don't think there's a Wikipedia page for it. I'll have to look up rat trap on um, YouTube or something. Yeah. As far as reception that it got, uh, it says Superplay Magazine gave the SNES version of Krusty a 79% rating and wrote, it's actually pretty good fun to play, although perhaps more of a younger player-oriented game than anything else. Not one to set your heart on fire, but a good solid game nevertheless. Mm. Computer Gaming World in April 94 said that the computer version is an above-average arcade-slash-strategy game that is ideal to burn away half an hour or so. I watched some gameplay of the PC version, and it's even worse. Really? Yeah, Krusty, when you jump, it's like he's on the moon. <laughs> Wow. It looked awful. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that was, so, I think that was kind of the problem with a lot of the, the Simpsons game, like the Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. Like when he's on, you know, the skateboard riding around, like trying to control him, I was like, how did I do this as a kid? Like it is atrocious, the controls of that yeah. game. Yeah. I think if... If the combat, I'll call it combat system, but fighting enemies, if it were less of a pain in the ass and this game were maybe, if you cut out a third of it, I think it would be much better. But my, my, I'll say the pros of it, the gameplay of it is actually pretty fun. Like, I like the puzzle aspect and, you know, having to build all these, uh, entryways for rats to go through in order to get them to the trap at the end of the level is actually pretty fun, but it's such a long game (laughs) and, and the, the controller, the controllers are not, you know, the controls are not that great. Um, so I, I would give this game on a scale of one to 10, I would probably give it probably a six, maybe a six and a half. And you know, it's, I had that little bit of sentimental value to it, but I can also recognize that it's a very flawed game. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're kind of a snapshot of a time. I mean, uh, there's so many games that I wish were good, like especially the Simpsons games. Like I still would love just to have a way to easily play the Simpsons uh, arcade game because it was, it was one of the best Mm-hmm. you know four player fighters out there and some of the you know some of the home games for the simpsons were just not 
I mean, they were good for the time, I guess, but they don't hold up well. So they 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 look pretty on the shelf, but they're not not something you're gonna want to play over and over again. Like I would love to do a review of Bart versus the Space Mutants or Bart Simpson versus the World, but I don't know if I can bring myself to go back and play those <laughs> games, man. <laughs> I just don't know if I can do it. I will say real quick, another pro to this game, I did like the music to it. The music yeah. was pretty catchy. Like I, it, it took everything I had just to go back and play RoboCop last week. <laughs> Got to find RoboCop versus the Terminator. I know. I, I need to get that on eBay. Uh, I was going to do that this week, and I forgot. I've been busy, man. <laughs> I didn't mean to be, but it just kind of happened. It happens to the best of us. But um, but I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, we are going to record a... Oh, actually, let me do the uh, listener email before we yep. get out of here tonight. Let me play a little, little bit of music here. Which one? Let me try... What is this one here? Let's see what this one is. Oh, I like that. Uh, Brandon Rutledge on Facebook says, I barely remember RoboCop for NES, but definitely have a much better memory of the movie. I've heard people use the phrase "getting Officer Murphyed" when referring to some when referring to someone in a movie or TV show getting riddled with bullets. I sort of remember seeing RoboCop versus Terminator at local flea markets, but that's when my knowledge stops. You never got into Rick and Morty, but there's something we might like: a YouTube channel called Denk Ops uh, does a series called Celebrity Wrestling Alliance using simulations through WWE 2K18, and Rick and Morty are one of the tag teams. Uh, he does. He has stuff to say about Leisure Suit Larry, but he's going to wait for me to do that uh, review on a later episode. And he says, Derek Diamond, I will see you in October for breakfast. You make the Sonic Toast, and I will bring the Nintendo Serial System if I can find any. Also looking forward to your review next week. And I know you'll be joining us for breakfast, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> need some Just ring the doorbell. Toast. <laughs> makes no uh, sense I, I will say not not to keep cutting you off there was i know we don't cover modern news that much but uh, as far as games go but there was something i read yesterday that i'm actually pretty excited about you mentioning uh, wwe 2k 18 mm -hmm. they announced the wwe 2k 19 uh there's a special rick flair edition that's coming out Woo! and and this thing <laughs> is stacked stacked with extras that is awesome. so it comes in a giant box that's covered in photos of rick flair let's see it, it comes with let's see it comes with a copy of 2k19 deluxe edition access to 2k19 season pass digital content exclusive playable wwe hall of famers their 80s versions of roddy piper dusty Rhodes, and ricky steamboat uh, it also includes Macho Man Randy Savage from WrestleMania 8 and Undertaker 2002 when he was doing his biker character. The Starcade 1983 Arena in-game attire for exclusive attire for Ric Flair and his daughter Charlotte. Uh, Pre-order bonus digital content, which is uh, Rey Mysterio and Ronda Rousey as unlockable characters. And the, the best part an exclusive Ric Flair pop figure and a Hall of Fame replica ring. <laughs> this is the $130 woo edition 
for 130 bucks. Wally, if you're listening, I know you want this just for the pop. Yep. <laughs> I I honestly, with all that stuff, I I would pay that. I mean, for the pop, for the ring, with all that unlockable stuff. And it comes with the game, which is going to be half of that anyway. So I'd, I'd do it. Uh, let's see. Um, so Rowdy Roddy Piper's wife, he uh, is going to have Rowdy Roddy Piper in the game. And she said, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's wife, Kitty Toombs, tweeted the following regarding this uh, special edition. It's about time. Big congrats to Ric Flair Nature Boy. Cover is awesome. Uh, hashtag Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ronda Rousey, hell of a fantasy tag team. Hashtag WWE. So, I'm getting it. Uh, this looks so awesome. <laughs> and it comes with a piece from one of Ric Flair's robes. Ah, shoot. I, I clicked out of it. The uh, Joey Image wanted to know if there was a pre-order for it. Uh, hang on a second. I've still got it. Uh, there should be. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I'm not seeing a link. Let me let me look it up one more time. Let's see. Might be on Amazon. Let's see. Is there a pretty order? Um, so on GameSpot. Oh. All right. I'm on Amazon. There's 2K19. I don't see anything as far as um. I don't think they've announced any kind of pre-order for it yet. Yeah, I'm not seeing it on Amazon. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Oh, no, it's currently unavailable. There's a spot for it, but they're not taking pre-orders yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no. I don't see a pre-order for it yet, so I imagine it's going to be coming out soon, though, because it's coming out in October. So and yeah. they just dropped this, like, what, two days ago? Um, they announced because I haven't, I haven't bought a WWE game in years ever since they, before they changed it to 2k, but I'll, I'll be getting this primarily because of all this extra stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, Joey image said he didn't even find the price yesterday. So, um, he said I'd, he'd pay for it. I, I don't blame you. I, I want this, and I haven't played a WWE game in a decade or over a decade, at least since, what, 2004? PlayStation 2 era was the last time I played oh, wow. WWE games. Like I haven't played in probably 15 or close to 15 years, but I would love to have this. Uh, if you said, get this, you might have to set up a security camera so Wally won't steal the pop. Yeah, <laughs> he'll break into my house. <laughs> Be a Wally-sized hole in the wall, <laughs> holding it like a, look with just a box, like him holding it, and like just break a hole in the wall. <laughs> I'm just actually picturing that. That's so damn funny. Yeah. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll get a kick stuff. out of that. Um, but yeah, let's yeah. go ahead and end this episode, and we'll be back. In just a bit on Twitch, and um, let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say, Derek? Let's do it. Let me get our music ready so I don't screw that up. If you... Let me get that up so I can read it. 
Oh, good Lord. I am so unorganized right now. <laughs> it's, it's been two weeks since we've been here. I'm, I get rusty really fast. But if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. We're at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And as always, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. That helps put us in front of more people, and that helps us out a lot. And don't forget to go to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. 